Welcome to a new segment. Well, not really exactly new. It's basically dealing with neckbeards and legbeards in the RPG world, most commonly known as Dungeons and Dragons. Now, I can see the great appeal of Dungeons and Dragons, being able to roleplay someone else, actually exploring different parts of your personality, and helping you learn how to express yourself and do things you probably normally would never do. Well, you definitely would never go kill monsters in real life or shoot fireballs out of your hands, but you know what I mean. So, I hope you guys enjoy. I present to you RPG Horror Stories. Well guys, this is the only real horror story I have, and unfortunately, it is one completely suited for Valentine's Day, although in a very twisted manner. The whole situation was bizarre, it was unexpected, and it came completely out of nowhere in a rapid and complete fiery implosion of a group that rivaled the Hindenburg in terms of suddenness and sheer scale of catastrophic collapse. Okay, maybe not that bad, but pretty bad. So sit back, dear reader. Indulge in this tale of deceit, coercion, questionable sexual appetites, breakups, and of course, cringe. Lots and lots of cringe. Now I'm the DM. I have my roommate, who plays an orc fighter, named Dave. Annie is Dave's girlfriend. She plays a halfling cleric. Rich is a friend of mine, and Dave's. He plays a zany gnome sorcerer. Then there's Trish, the problem player. She's playing the fox folk, a reskinned tabaxi bard, because of course she was. Also, she could never quite decide whether this person was more cat or more fox or both. It was weird. So we cast our minds back on the day of yore, 2013. I was at university. We were playing the 3.5 edition of D&D. For context, I'm not really the typical nerd archetype. I'm fairly tall, fairly muscular, and my biggest interest outside of TTRNGs, which is tabletop role-playing games, science, math, and nerdy movies and video games, is rugby. I was on the university team. I am, or was, being an adult sucks, something of a socialite. I like to host parties. I love being the center of attention. And I love singing. In short, my highest real-life stat is charisma. My lowest apparently is wisdom. Yes, I'm a dude bro. Yes, the exact stereotype you're currently thinking of. That one, it's me. After one such get together at my place, which is inevitably always a strange mix of guys from the rugby team, course mates who study physics, my flatmates and their mates, etc. Myself, Dave and Annie were talking. I suggested the idea of running a D&D game they were both into it. Neither of them had played before, but Dave informed me that his friend Rich also played, which I didn't know. Annie said that she had a friend that was really super excited about joining because she was obsessed with TTRNGs. Enter Trish. She was the only person who attended that I didn't know, which normally made her something of a wild card. But being a sociable person, this didn't bother me at all. And when I first met her, all seemed fine. She was lively and excitable. Her and Annie both did practical effects design. And she was artsy, enthusiastic, and quite attractive. With a real twinkle in her eye. 
which I would realize later, all too late, that Twinkle was a barely perceptible electrical feedback which indicated a short-circuiting of the sanity wires in her brain. I thought she would be a joy to have at the table, if only I knew the anime-loving interest complex she apparently had. I might have realized that the rattling noise wasn't her dice tower, but the loose marbles that was rattling around in her skull. So anyway, from the very first session, the group was great. Everyone's character was fun, if a little tropey, but that's to be expected. That's why I didn't bat an eyelid when Trish started playing up the bard, as in hitting on every NPC. We all had a good laugh about it. I responded with the NPCs flirting back or not flirting in the exact same manner. Dave's character also tried his luck, all too often and to our amusement, with his negative one charisma, would fall flat. I thought it was all in good fun, so did everyone else. Because no one could be insane enough to think that those imaginary characters interacting with them automatically meant that the DM wanted to bone them, right? Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself a little there. There were some red flags, minor ones, but they were there. These included such highlights as Trish being a little obsessive about anime and talking about My perfect man would be an exact description of the main character in this anime. The name of which I don't remember. And the way in which she described her tabaxi. She has big, innocent doe eyes with playful curves and swaying hips. She also showed up wearing fox ears at one point. I just thought she was really into the game and playing into her character. Which, in a really disturbing sort of way, was right on the money. She also had a weird habit of maintaining eye contact with me for an uncomfortably long period of time. But I with my IRL dump stat and wisdom, didn't put it together that she might have a crush on me. In case where this story is leading wasn't horrifyingly obvious, I was enjoying the group and the immersion. Everyone spent a lot of time talking about the character and really getting into it, including Dave and Annie, who had been a little hesitant about the RPG at first. Trish spent almost no time whatsoever talking out of character which was another mild red flag that I totally overlooked. But it's the one that stands out from the rest. Let's begin that fateful night. Dave, my roommate, he wasn't present for this session. For the night is dark and full of fox-eared discomfort. It was a very RP-heavy session. The previous had been a very sizable combat session where they fought the villains, and a very small story arc had been completed. So there was a lot of looting, paying off debts, and favors, collecting accolades, drinking in bars, being paraded around on shoulders of the liberated village, all the normal tropes. This also coincided with the end of the second year exam period. So we were in a similar mood. Everyone was having a great time. It was a low pressure session that was drinking a decent amount, both in real life and in game. Everyone was smiling and having fun. Then Trisha's character decided that that night was the night to try to get it on with the burly human bartender, which her character had been flirting with throughout the campaign. Again, I only picked this up in retrospect, but this NPC was the one that resembled me the most, although not really that close, in how I described him. She had singled out this NPC repeatedly. Anyway, in the revelry of the villain's defeat and the town celebration, she succeeds on her seduction role 
and lures in this poor bartender. I made the joke, and they went off to have very scratchy cat sex, in which he'll probably need to have his back bandaged as an attempt to fade to black. Oh no, she was not having it. Obviously, Trish wanted to vicariously play out the encounter between the two abstractions in a display that would have made Sigmund Freud make a concerned Tom face. She interjected, describing how She waited for him to go and get her drinks before taking off all of her clothes, changing into just one of his thin shirts and waiting on his bed in a seductive pose, and began to purr. Okay, that was a little bit too much detail. And she has a creepy, lascivious look in her eyes. And she goes on to describe it. But fine, it's her character. She has a couple of drinks and is a bit too into it. So once again I try. And as he sees you, he shuts the door behind himself with a big smile. Anyway, back to the bar. Clumperdunk is in the midst of his absurd, levitating tankard performance when... Then Trish interjects, pouting a little bit this time. She describes how her character stares into his green eyes. My eyes are green. The NPCs, they're actually blue. And runs her clawed fingers through his brown hair. Again, you guessed it. It matches the description with me, not the NPC. Now she's positively leering at me like a cartoon steak. Rich catches on and he looks as uncomfortable as I feel, and he starts to giggle. I assumed that it was just a nervous laughter, but that's not so. I quite firmly cut to black this time, but Trish looked oddly satisfied and spent the rest of the session, which lasted less than a half an hour, just staring at me and exchanging looks with Annie. At the end of the session, I sat with the three of them, finishing my drink, before they all headed home. Trish asked to go to the bathroom, and she excused herself. Annie then gets up, then declares that she's going home. And she asks if poor innocent bystander Rich would walk her across the campus. They abruptly leave. I wait for Trish to come out of my room for about five minutes. As a side note, the bathroom is connected to my bedroom. You have to go through my bedroom to get to the bathroom. At this point, I'm like, if she's taking a dump in there, that is absolutely uncool. Just wait until you get home. So I walk into my room, preparing to knock on the bathroom door. And what do I see? I see Trish. And what, dear reader, do you expect she is wearing? Yep, that's right. There's a pile of her clothes and underwear at the foot of my bed. And her sole item of clothing is one of my t-shirts. And her fox ears, laying in what she apparently thought was a seductive pose. If the only time that you heard the word seductive was in Japanese and the sentence ended in senpai, and as if the scene wasn't absurd and insane enough, she starts to purr at me before giving me this look, which basically amounted to her stuffing her entire bottom lip under her teeth as much as reasonably possible. It looked like she was trying to attempt to devour her own chin and blinking rapidly like she was trying to convey something in Morse code. Now, Trish is not unattractive by any means. Even in the midst of a mating ritual that's considered more bizarre than anything I've heard Sir David Attenborough narrate. But I'm absolutely not into it whatsoever. I do not see her in that way. And honestly, I find her a bit weird. Shocking, I know. This should be good enough reason on its own. 
But what takes this from just weird, uncomfortable, and awkward to shockingly inappropriate is that at this time, I had a girlfriend. She and everyone else at the table knew this. At this point, I'm standing in the doorway, probably looking like I've seen a ghost, and my brain has turned to mush, trying to decipher the incomprehensible spectacle unfolding before my eyes. She then stops deep-throating her chin and says, If you want your t-shirt back, you'll have to take it off of me. I'm absolutely livid at this inappropriate behavior, and I tell her as calmly as possible that she can keep my t-shirt, but she needs to leave. She scowls at me, and I truly wish I was joking, but she hisses at me like a cat. <laughs> Despite how deeply uncomfortable and annoyed I am, it is so absurd that I couldn't help myself. I just start bursting out laughing. <laughs> she immediately goes mental. She grabs her clothes in a bundle and runs outside of my flat in just my shirt, not even putting on her underwear, screaming at me the whole time. Apparently, either Annie or Rich had forgotten something, so they were really close, and they were walking back towards the flat. They and everyone else around sees this two-thirds naked cat fox girl throwing a temper tantrum over getting rejected, creating an utter spectacle in the quad, which is overlooked by several blocks of halls, not to mention other students who just happen to be outside. I would have been mortified if I wasn't too busy being somewhere between in utter disbelief and completely speechless and also repressing uncontrollable mirth as to how absurd the situation was. Annie runs over and throws a coat over her. Trish is now crying hysterically. Then Anne begins to berate me, calling me selfish and ungrateful and telling me that Trish was much better for me than my girlfriend. I'm in utter shock and disbelief. This was totally out of character for Annie. Not knowing what to do in the midst of this bizarre and mutually humiliating meltdown, I just gave an apologetic wave and grimace at Rich and go back inside to close the door. I call Dave and I fill him in on whatever just happened. He was baffled. He was shocked and angry just like I was, especially after I described Annie's reaction. He calls her and demands to know what's going on. As it turns out, Trish and Annie, they concocted the whole event. Annie informed Trish that Dave would not be present, making it a good night to make her move. And Trish had apparently described the rest of her cringe-inducing plan. This is also why Annie was giggling when Trish's in-character shenanigans were going on earlier that night. And that's why she so abruptly convinced Rich to leave, since Trish going to the bathroom was the signal. Dave called me almost two hours later, which was about 4 a.m. He said that he had a huge argument in a shouting match with Annie, and they broke up. I received a text from Rich the next day saying he didn't want to play with us anymore because he couldn't handle the drama. Although I did explain that Trish would absolutely not be there, I can't really begrudge him his decision because that situation was pretty messed up. I blocked Trish's number, and the only correspondence I had with Annie is just her texting me before I blocked her too. And what did the lovely Annie text me? She called me a well, Dave and I never played D&D together again, although we're still friends to this day. Sometimes the creepy, predatory weirdo isn't a basement-dwelling neckbeard, but a pretty girl that's half your size, who apparently thinks that an anime fox-cat girl is the height of seduction. I guess making her a classier legbeard?
I was 19 when I moved to the Midwest. I went for a better job and cheaper living. I had the urge to play some D&D and decided to join an adventures league. I joined up with a new tier 1 group. The group was ran by an original dungeon master from the Gygaxian era. The players consisted of a half-elf sorceress, me, a chill paladin, Pallybro, Pallybro's sister, who was playing a wizard, Sarah, and a rogue. We'll call him Ellis, for evil little shit. Well, Ellis was 14. He was very hyperactive and was the son of the DM. To the DM's credit, he was a really good parent, and he was even a better DM. He would punish Ellis both in and out of the game when necessary. At first, I thought it was awesome that the DM was teaching his son how to play D&D. Little did I know, this little bastard was going to set my standard for that guy for years to come. To best describe this kid, he was about 5 foot 1, 250 pounds, and eyes like the devil. The first session we played, Ellis wanted everyone to fight his player character in order to prove their worth. Ellis typically injected himself into every conversation. Ellis would scream if anyone but him got a kill. Ellis would also hit on Sarah, even though she made abundantly clear that she was not interested, and she was four years his senior. Ellis once killed an important NPC because, I thought she was gonna kill us. The NPC, by the way, was a little girl. Ellis would also complain about his character being underpowered and said that our characters were overpowered. Ellis once tried to assassinate my character. He also had his character eat an important item that we needed to defeat the end boss. Ellis would tend to run headfirst into battle rather than sneaking around, which you're supposed to do when you're a rogue. He tried to use his relationship with the DM to get better loot for himself, which never worked. But all of this was minor compared to the most evil thing this little sh** did. It all started after I've been with the group for at least six months. Sarah and I started dating about a month prior. We had been nearing the completion of our first campaign and we were fighting the final dungeon to get to the big bad evil guy. Well, the DM called for a break. That way he could call his wife. So Sarah and Pallybro decided to go get some snacks and I decided to go to the bathroom. I thought it was safe to leave my phone on the table, so I left it there. After five minutes, I came back and I found my phone on the floor. I really didn't think much of it. I thought maybe it just dropped on the floor, so I just picked it up and I shoved it in my pocket. We continued with the session. Once it was over, I drove home. Once I got home, I decided to text Sarah and tell her goodnight. The text wouldn't go through. I noticed that I had no bars. I thought something was wrong, but I thought, hey, he can wait for tomorrow. So I sent her a message over Facebook telling her goodnight and I went to bed. When I woke up the next morning, I noticed that I had a dozen messages over Facebook. They were all from Sarah. The messages ranged from I hate you and why won't you talk to me and I'm glad we're breaking up. Reading this, I messaged her back asking her what's wrong. She responds by telling me about what happened. She got a text last night asking for nudes. She told me once she did. She said I called her ugly and broke up with her. I was confused. I told her that was impossible due to my phone not working. She then sent me a screenshot of the messages. They were from my number. I was confused. I drove straight to the cell phone carrier store. When I got in, I explained that my phone wasn't working. After about three minutes, she told me that the SIM card was missing. She informed me that the SIM card tells the phone what network it runs on and what number it responds to. She told me that it was a simple fix, 
within five minutes. So she got me up and running. As soon as I left the store, I got a message over Facebook. It was Pallybro. The message read, I need to talk to you. As soon as I read this, I called him. As soon as he picked up the phone, I told him the whole story. He then told me he knew. He told me that he called me so that he could tell me that he was going to kick my ass. Problem was, when he called, I wasn't the one who answered. Apparently, Ellis answered. I was taken aback. Then it dawned on me. Ellis was the only one at the table the night before, and he was still in the room when I left my phone on the table. He then told me that when he called his father and explained what this little shitling did, his father later confirmed that Sarah's nudes were on Ellis's phone. I asked Pallybro if he told Sarah. He told me he did. I then drove over to their apartment and I consoled Sarah. Angry? I told her I was gonna kill Ellis the next time I saw him. The next session came and the DM informed us that Ellis was no longer welcome to the group. It's been about five years since then and I haven't seen Ellis since. But if I do, I'll gut him with my bare hands. If not, I hope he grew out of it. Otherwise, the world has another neckbeard to deal with. Thanks for joining me. Hope you guys enjoyed these stories of RPG Horror Stories. RPG Horror Stories is basically a place to find more neckbeards and legbeards, apparently. Tell you what, that one girl, she is a neckbeard's dream. I can almost guarantee you that Trish would never give a neckbeard the time of day, even though she is a legbeard. Mainly because she probably has the same kind of standards. The other person has to be gorgeous. Besides, people like that, they usually don't put up with people who are like themselves. And if it does, dear God in heaven, that's a beard storm of mass proportions. God help anyone who has to deal with them. Again, thank you. This is the one episode I'm putting out this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I found out that I had a really bad infection. So I'm on antibiotics and it really hurts. It hurts to talk, it hurts to swallow, it hurts to eat. I can't eat anything solid because that's excruciating. I'm kind of doped up on drugs right now, so I was able to read this. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I should have a regular schedule for next week, so I look forward to that. I hope you do too. I want to give a special thanks to my patrons. I really appreciate your support. It helps out a lot. When YouTube fails me, you guys help support this hobby so I can entertain all of you and myself. If you want to become a patron and support this channel, just follow the link down in the description. Well, until next time, this is Dallas signing off.